And people get up and say their vows when they get married, but they don't actually truly understand what kind of a commitment Mm -hmm. they're agreeing to. It's just the tradition. Welcome to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and on today's episode, why do married couples fall out of love? Yeah, that's a big question a lot of people have. Yeah, it is. Happens to a lot of folks. Yep. All right, here we go. Here's one of the questions that uh, we've seen pop up. Okay. All righty. Why do married couples fall out of love? You ever thought about that one? Because you hear it all the time. I fell out of love as if I fell in love. Like I tripped over something and now I'm in love. Right. And now, you know, I picked myself up and now I'm not in love anymore. I right. fell out of love. What do you, what do you think of, or what do you hear when you hear that statement? Or why do you think people say that they have fallen out of love? Boy, a million things run through my mind and I'm trying to find that words that sound the most knowledgeable. <laughs> Like I want to sound smart about the answer to me. I mean, the first thing that really pops into my mind is number one, you don't want to work on it anymore or you, you haven't put in the effort or I don't know what kind of love you would call it, but that infatuation. Yes. That infatuation, the one with all the chemicals and everything when you first fall in love in quotation marks, like the actual physical sensations. Most people think when you fall in love because they feel those physical sensations and that physical attraction to someone. And that's what they consider falling in love. Yes. And they expect that through the entire marriage. Yes. And that's unrealistic because those physical sensations don't last. It's like your adrenal glands in your body, they kick up adrenaline. Yep. Your brain releases dopamine and endorphins and all those, all the other chemical cocktail that comes out of your brain. Yes. And that only lasts for a certain amount of time. So like if you go zip lining or you jump out of an airplane, you get that rush. Yep. It's a temporary rush. It doesn't last long. You may still enjoy jumping out of planes long after that adrenaline rush is gone. But that's how that love is. When you first meet someone, you have that chemical attraction. It's a temporary physical thing that happens. And then it takes actual work to stay in that loving I don't yeah. know what words you want to use yeah. it, but when I hear this phrase, it is the novelty, something new. I fell in love. So here's this new person who makes me feel all these new sensations. And I enjoy that. But the law of diminishing returns, the minute you hang on to anything for any amount of time, it just becomes familiar. You get, right. you get used to it after a while and it doesn't make you feel as good, not as exciting. It applies to cars. It applies to movies. Yes. It applies to houses. It applies to experiences or jobs or locations, we just get used to where we get to and it doesn't make us feel as good. And so most people chase the sensation, like you've already talked about, of that chemical bath that happens from our brain, that novelty feeling, yes, the excitement of, of something new. And when that goes away, they go, this person doesn't make me feel as happy anymore. Right. So I'm going to trade her in and I'm going to upgrade to the newest model. That way I can feel that way again. And it usually lasts 18 months to two years. And now you start to recycle right. all that stuff. And that's actually the reason why a lot of couples have decided not to bother getting married. 
They're just going to live together, cohabitate, have those things and see each other, see spouses or partners as disposable, just like the latest car. Right. And after X amount of years, you just trade it in, you upgrade to the newest model. Mm-hmm. And it's become very utilitarian. It's become very consumeristic in their relationships. And it does not lead to happiness. No. It just leads to emptiness. And actually, if you start to look at it, the amount of happiness that the next relationship brings is actually shorter. So the first one lasted three years. The next one's going to last, you know, 18 months. The next one's going to last two years of how good it feels. And so you start having to go through these relationships faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. That's what it feels like when people fall out of love and they can't shift into this idea of, love as a choice. I'm going to choose to love you, even though now I know everything about you, how imperfect you are, the flaws that you have, the things that drive me crazy, the things that bug me a little bit. I'm still going to look past all those things and choose to unconditionally love and accept you. Right. Even though you don't make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside the way you used to when we were, you know, 28 years ago. Right. And you were brand new and shiny to me. <laughs> what? I'm not brand new and shiny anymore? No, you're not. I got, some, I got some shiny hair. You are very familiar. I am very comfortable with you. Right. You're not novel anymore. I'm glad I'm not. Boy, you try to cling on to that, trying to be yeah. novel and new. Yeah. And I don't think that you're even actually really truly, really you in that novelty news stage because you want to be make an impression and appear perfect so that you can be liked, even though you've got flaws, you don't want anybody to see those. Oh my gosh, it's so much easier just being who I am. It is. And knowing that no matter what, no matter what stupid thing I say, because I can't remember how to say a word or you speak Shannon really well. I appreciate that. But it's so nice just to be comfortable with who I am and be able to just be and know that you are not going to leave me because I'm not perfect. Yeah, that is a deeper level of love. That's a love by choice. Yes. That's not love based upon feelings. Now, I'm still attracted to you. You still give me warm fuzzies. We still had a great time together on our vacation. Yes. I still walk into the room sometimes and I'm just like, whoo, she's she's gorgeous. Aww. I still have those feelings towards you. Right. But I don't have them all the time. Sometimes I walk into the room and it's like, oh, there's my wife again. <laughs> You already know this. This isn't new information. No, and I already know that you do that to me probably more often because I know what I look like in the mirror and I know how (laughs) I behave sometimes and I know I'm not easy to live with. And it's like, all right, I got to spend another 24 hours with this moron. Okay, I can do that. (laughs) But we choose to do that. We have moved past the only type of love, which is the lust. It's the novelty. It's the excitement. And we've moved into the mature love, which, again, is so much more relaxing, so much easier because we don't have to hide. We don't have to put on our best faces. We can just be ourselves. And I am accepted for who I am. And you are accepted for who you are. Right. And we don't have to hide anymore. Right. That is real love. That is the love that was demonstrated to us by our creator. Oh, yeah. That is what we get to experience 
and offer to each other. Right. That's actually the most important part here because I have been loved by God unconditionally. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Christ mm-hmm. loved me. Christ accepted me. I now get to offer that to you Yep. while you are a sinner, while you're doing stuff that bugs the crap out of me. And my bags are crazy. I still choose to love you unconditionally right. and accept you and treat you well. Right. And that's a commitment that you make from the very beginning. Yes. And most people don't understand that. No. And people get up and say their vows when they get married, but they don't actually truly understand what kind of a commitment Mm -hmm. they're agreeing to. It's just the tradition. So they say the words, but that commitment, I made that commitment piece in my mind saying, no matter what happens in this marriage, I am sticking with Paul. And that was prior to even getting married. Yes. And I think knowing that you have the same commitment, when you have that commitment, when it gets to the hard parts, you don't just give up or you know your spouse isn't going to give up because you know that they yeah. meant what they said. Yeah. And so it's not easy. No. I mean, we're comfortable with each other. We both know we've got flaws. And knowing those things doesn't make it easy when we bump up against the hard stuff. Right. We actually have to work hard to get through it. Sure, sure. But it's a choice that we made many years ago that when we hit those hard spots, we would work through them and not just give up. It offers safety for us to be real. Yes. Again, the phrase I use a lot with my counseling clients is people grow best when they are safe, but uncomfortable. Right. You and I do stuff that make each other uncomfortable all the time, but you know that you are safe, that you have a secure relationship. That's why we call this secure marriage. It's because I'm not going anywhere. And when you know that, it makes it easier to work through our crap because none of it's a deal breaker. So it's a headache, but it's not a deal breaker. Right. And because I'm human, I still struggle with worrying like, oh man, is this the thing? Yeah. But because that foundation is there, it makes it much easier not to give into that fear of, oh man, this is not going to last. This isn't going to work because we all have that. We're all wired the same in that aspect. And so- I really believe that that foundation of knowing that there is that commitment to work through anything to stick that I am going to stick by your side regardless, that that underlying there helps me get through the natural tendencies and fears and that survival brain that says protect myself because we're not going to be okay. And when you're in a heightened emotional state, at least for me, when I'm in a heightened emotional state, nothing feels okay. And nothing you say can convince me that it's going to be okay. I have to get back into my rational brain to go, oh yeah, we are going to be okay. We're just fine. So if I didn't have that foundation of knowing that you were committed to me through thick and thin, no matter what, I can't even imagine what that heightened emotional state would be like if I didn't somewhere in the back of my rational brain didn't know that things would be okay. It would be a living hell. It really, truly would. And I don't think we would be together still. No, no. So. 
And again, we understand some people don't have what we have. We understand some people who are listening to this podcast are hearing this and are actually discouraged because they would love to be part of a relationship like this, but their husband or their wife doesn't have that same mentality that it is very consumeristic. It is very utilitarian. They've been through a relationship, but they were discarded because their husband or wife traded in them for the younger prettier, more fit version, uh, the upgraded version. And they've experienced that pain. We recognize that that's a reality in the world out there right now. And if you've experienced that, if you've gone through that and you're going, I don't even know how to begin or build something like you guys have. Mm -hmm. We want you to hear that it's not too late. You can learn these things even later on, even if you've been through a relationship, even if this is what you are currently experiencing. When you start to make these shifts internally for yourself and you start to live out these values, it becomes contagious for other people who are wanting the same thing that you are, that secure connection, that deeper intimacy, that vulnerability with each other. It creates an invitation to build that in the relationship. And it might not be perfect. You might not hit 100%. But heck, if you could, you know, double what you have now. So if you only have 10% you can double that to 20% or double your 40% to 80%. If you can make it better in some way, then applying some of the things that we've talked about in these podcasts and that are in the secure marriage workshops and in all the other things that we offer, when you can put these things into practice, we guarantee, guarantee your relationship will get better and that it will not ruin anything. None of this makes your life worse Worse. in any way. In any way. And so if you want to go, what are some of those things? Um, Probably the best place to start would be taking the quiz that's on the securemarriage.com right at the top of the page there. It will kind of assess your relationship on the six parts of the secure marriage framework. From there, there's some free courses around communication. There's courses uh, that you can take if you have some codependency issues that we have available on there. If you want to dive in the full meal deal of learning the secure marriage framework, then you can take our online workshop. Um, It costs less than two couples counseling sessions. It's just lots and lots of video and content and worksheets that you can work through and improve your relationship. Even if you're, again, you're the only one. Now, if you and your spouse are going, yes, we want to figure this out, do it together. It's designed to be done together as well. So lots of resources on securemarriage.com or just keep listening to the podcast. Cost you nothing. You're going to hear us talk about the good and the bad and the ugly of our relationship and hopefully encourage you to go, okay, if these two guys can do it and we can see how imperfect they are, then maybe we can figure this out out in my marriage as well. Yep. So we're going to keep doing this and we like doing this. So. We do. Anyway, that's it for now. All righty. Thanks everyone for listening. We will talk to you later. Okie doke. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm,